Power 5 Mentality Podcast, the first and only podcast discussing mid-major marketing, creative, and more. My name is Scott Peace, and I'm the Associate AD for External Affairs at the University of Evansville. I'm joined, as always, with my co-host and co-worker, Emily McMillan, Assistant Director of Media Relations and Creative Communications at UE. Today, we are joined by our first-ever conference-level guest, Katie Mucci, Assistant Commissioner for New Media and Technology at the Missouri Valley Conference. The Northern Colorado grad started her career as a sports information intern at her alma mater before transitioning to the Southern Collegiate Athletic Conference, where she served as assistant commissioner. Mucci has been with the Missouri Valley Conference for the last two and a half years. Katie, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you guys so much for having me. All right, Emily, I'll turn it over for you for a little overview, and then we'll dive right into things. Yeah, we have some fun things to dig into and talk about with Katie today. We're going to cover her background, her career, explore her role at the NBC and the conference level, talk about some digital and social media um, expertise of hers, and along with some of our normal segments at the end. Um, so with that, I'll turn it back to you, Scott, to jump right in. Awesome. Well, having talking to you over the years, having been in the same conference, I know you've kind of been all over the country at times. Um, but let's start with your undergrad days at Northern Colorado. Just tell us kind of how you landed there and any experience that you may have gotten as a student. Yeah, so I was born in Colorado and moved shortly after I was born um, to Texas, but eventually found my way back going out there. Um, my brother went to college in Denver, so I was, it was close to family, but far away from my parents. So you love that when you're 18 years old. Um, and so I got out there. I was going for a degree in journalism with an emphasis in public relations and advertising. And I knew I wanted to get into sports. I grew up around sports playing them. And then my brother played college sports and my dad played sports. So I knew I enjoyed sports and I wanted to do something with it. But with a PR and advertising degree, I wasn't quite sure what to do. Um, and I was talking to my advisor one semester and she was like, you know, we've had this flyer on our bulletin board for some internship over in athletics. She's like, no one's ever done it that, I, and that I've advised, so you might check it out, though. And so I called up um, the SID at the time, who was Heather Kennedy, and it was like, hey, like, I heard a little bit about, like, what was on the flyer and was interested in this. Like, can I come talk to you about more? So I went and interviewed with her, talked to her about the position, and ended up interning my last year of college in Sports Info and did a little bit of the normal Sports Info stuff, releases and stats and whatnot, but also got to dive into doing some graphics for program covers and social media, as well as some social media during game days. Um, this was in 2013, 14. So I feel like that was kind of the beginning of like the real Twitter boom for sports, college sports. Um, I mean, most people were on it, but I don't think it was super active for a lot of people. So that really got me like my foot in my foot in the door and some experience there. Um, and then once I graduated, I actually just thrown my resume up on the Cosida website job board. And my first boss reached out to me asking me if I was interested in his job. It was heavy on the creatives and social media, but still is part of the sports info um, side of things. At a D3 conference, we had at most three people in our conference office. Most times, though, it was only two of us, the commissioner and myself. So um, it was kind of an all around job. And I was there for four years and loved it. Um, and then came to the SCA, or not the SCA, so came to the Valley from the SCAC after one of my coworkers now, Ryan Davis, called me up and said they had a job open and said I needed to apply for it. Um, so he's really the reason I came over here. I wasn't going to apply for it. It was in the middle of the year. Um, I think the job opened in December of 2017, um, just right before the Loyal Final Four run as well. And I was like, I can't leave in the middle of the year. As I said, D3 offices are two people at that point. Um, I wasn't gonna leave my boss to do all of his commissioner duties as well as all of our sports information stuff in the middle of the year. So I said no. And then finally he talked me into it by kind of mentioning that they could potentially hold it until June if I was the candidate they wanted. And we lucked into that. It also helped that Loyola was having a final four run. So they didn't have a lot of time to um, do the interviews in a super timely manner. Um, so that kind of helped push it back a little bit. And um, obviously it was a great year for them. And then it was ended up being a good thing for me. Now I've been here. So to revisit the, uh, your time at the Southern Collegiate Athletic Conference, uh, we've talked a lot on this show about the respect that we have for people, you know, in Division II, Division III, NAI, all those things, um, especially true for someone at a conference level, because like you said, 
a lot of times those are one, two or three people um, set up. Tell us a little bit more about um, maybe the wide range of duties that you had in a position like that and maybe how that differs on the division three side um, from your experience in division one. Oh, 100%. Um, I actually loved and would not be opposed to going back to D3 at some point in my career. Um, it is so different, but I obviously, like I said, I did, it went at some points, all of our sports information stuff. So all the conference level stat keeping, um, all of the social media, all of the graphics, we did a lot of videos, all the video stuff. Um, but then also, like you said, a lot of random things. So when we had championships, we traveled all of our championships, my boss and I, um, and sometimes it was coordinating with a merchandise salesperson on where they can set up and what their prices are going to be, or putting together an online store after a championship and, and like coordinating the sales on that and whether you're, you know, how much your markups are. And sometimes it was helping with compliance stuff. And sometimes it was helping with coaches meetings and running those. And it was everything, a lot of everything you do at a D1 conference, just pared down, obviously, because D3 is a lot different. Um, I think one of the big things that I deal somewhat with now, but really we have at our office with Jack, Jack Watkins is TV. Um, at D3, we, you don't have TV contracts necessarily. So you kind of just let the schools handle their own stuff. Whereas here, if you know Jack Watkins at all, you know how much he does um, to get that ready and get that all prepared. So I think that's some of the big differences. And then when I came to division one, which Ryan Davis, like I mentioned, was also a D3 assistant commissioner. And that's how I had originally met him. Um, and so that's how he knew me. And that's why we came over here together. Him and I talk about it a lot that it's just, you get so good at doing a million things that when you get to a D1 conference, you're just like, oh, and let's be one or two. Um, but it's, it's very interesting and it's very scaled back, but still a lot of work because you have a lot more going on, but um, it's definitely a different change of pace. Well, I'm glad we had a Jack, Jack Watkins reference early. <laughs> truly one of the great professionals in our industry. So shout out to Jack Watkins. Um, I think there's so many people out there who are so power five or bust, or I want to work in an SEC football school or my career's a failure and things like that. And obviously Emily and I aren't like that at all. That's part of a small part of the inspiration behind what we're doing is power five mentality. Um, so kind of the opposite with you, you mentioned you wouldn't be opposed to going back to division three one day. What, what are some of the things that would that do draw you to Division Three, and um, what makes that so special to you? I think it's just like a whole different vibe when it comes to the student athletes and their mindset because they're obviously they're not scholarship kids. Like they are all, especially my conference was all private liberal arts school. So these are kids who are paying 40, 50, 60 grand a year to go to college and playing these sports, taking time out of the college curriculum that you get at a 40 to 50 to 60 grand college. Uh, like how much hard work you have to put in just to be being a decent student there um, and they're incredible students and then also competing and doing all that stuff and uh, it's just like a whole different mindset where they're just so they they're playing because they want to play so bad that they are doing it and they're you know putting out their own money to be able to go to the college they're not going there because they got a scholarship they want to go there they want to play and so I think it's just such a cool thing and obviously not that division one players don't want to play that's I hope that doesn't come off wrong, but I, it's just very different when you have to pay to go to school to play the sport and you're doing it just because you love it so much. Um, and it's just a cool vibe. And I think um, it's honestly a lot less political than division one. Um, I think that's one of the things that I've no, like learned a lot with my being at the MVC is the politics of division one and every level has that, but it's very different at D1 in terms of like men's basketball and things like that. And you, you get to learn the ins and outs of it. And I think, like you said, I don't know that I'd want to go to a power five because I see how bad it can get be at our level. <laughs> I can't even imagine when you add like FBS football to that. <laughs> and so I think that's D3 is just kind of more chill about some things. Yeah, Emily and I both have learned a lot more about division three than we knew before because one of our new employees came from Greenville. That um, was division three and she actually interned in her conference office. So we learned a lot through her interview process in the last year or so that she's been here about that. And I think a lot of that echoes what you just talked about. Okay, Emily, I'm gonna turn it over to you to talk a little bit more about the Valley side of things. Yeah, um, as we said earlier, you're a first conference official on, the, on this show. And so um, for our listeners that might not know how a conference office is kind of set up, or at least at the Valley, um, talk through kind of your role and just 
what your day-to-day -day looks like and how it kind of differs from being on campus and how that all works. Definitely. So I think um, our office is set up pretty well. I think we're very much in the middle, as we're a mid-major, of like staffing numbers and kind of how we how we allocate our positions. Um, so we have, I'm technically a part of our like PR is what we call ourselves, but communications. Um, so we have two people who are fully dedicated to communications and PR, and that's Mike Kern and Ryan. Um, and then we have a couple of people who kind of help with one or two sports in PR, um, but I do all of our social media and then I also help um, with a couple sports as needed. Um, but that really means for our social media, I don't just do social, I also do all of our videos, any video that comes out of our office on social media is created by me or now we have a couple interns who've been helping a little bit with that. Um, and any graphic that comes out of there has been done by me or at least template created by me and edited by someone else um and things like that and i do all of our strategy planning and everything like that so that's kind of my big overarching thing but then day to day it's obviously this year is incredibly weird so my days right now are very different than they normally would be but um it's a lot of just doing some graphics you know all players of the week and we do a lot of different video series especially with basketball and so editing a lot of videos um and then games, we um, would obviously, ever, no one else knows as we started this late because I was watching a double overtime game. And so a lot of my life outside of the normal eight or nine to five workday is watching our games on every screen I can find in my condo and pulling up games and watching them. And if they get close, switching to that screen so I can get highlights and um, just doing that on nights and weekends. So it's a really fun job. Um, it can be very exhausting. Like I said, I'm up nights and weekends doing stuff and Last night we had another game that ran late and then we ended up getting on uh, SVP show until midnight or waiting till midnight for that. So it's it's really fun, but my day-to-day -day is, is very sporadic, but it's, I guess, kind of what I said. It's a lot of social and then graphics and video stuff as as it comes. Yeah, like I, it's gotta be, or at least in my experience, it was, it was when I was at the big 12 conferences that having to take care of 10 schools all at the same time is just kind of overwhelming because you have to know what's going on at UE, but you also have to know what's going on at Missouri State and everybody else. Um, how do you balance that while still trying to highlight what, like Drake being undefeated, but you're also trying to highlight the cross country runner um, mm -hmm. kind of at the same time? Yeah, it's super hard. I mean, and I think I internalize it maybe more than people would know. Like if I get one angry tweet about how we're focusing too much on, let's say Drake men's basketball, um, although that's a bad example, because I don't think anyone this year would fault us for focusing on a 15-0 and 0 team. But in general, if I focus on one team too much, you get angry comments that you're not talking about somebody else. And um, especially like when you have five or six games going on, I'm trying to watch them as much as I can or get highlights as much as I can. But um, you obviously, being a one person, one person doing it, you can't get everything. And so um, it's hard. And I think I'd much rather be doing this than being at every single home game on a campus um, so I do think at the conference level, I don't, I'd, I'd rather be at the conference level where I'm at home on my couch, drinking wine, watching six games instead of having to be at a home game and <laughs> working all night. But regardless, it's, diff it's difficult because you just, like I said, I internalize it a lot. So if I realize I'm doing it, I'm trying so hard to fix it. Um, and I do think for us on our social, we have a basketball account. So it kind of helps where you're not posting a million basketball things on our Valley account. And then it looks really bad, like you're really favoring one sport or one team. Um, but I think I think sometimes people understand it too. Like I said, no one this year is going to fault us for focusing on Drake men or Missouri State women, just because they're they're just doing so well. Um, and them doing well makes everyone look better, and that helps kind of the the thing. But it's hard. I mean, yeah, you're trying to focus on a million different things and keep everyone happy. And that's just something that is not a good uh, mindset to go into when you work in social media. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like I, 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 it's kind of just like a different mindset of like on campus, you're like, oh, I'm all about my team and all about my sports going on. But like, you, you have to be like, I'm all about the Valley because the Valley runs deep and all of that. <laughs> the Valley <laughs> to, does uh, indeed run deep. Yes, I had to uh, put that in somewhere. But like, how have you at the Valley been able to kind of leverage and show off the actual power of the Missouri Valley Conference and the different things that are uh, schools are the schools are doing? 
Yeah, I think um, there's just a lot. So Ryan and Mike obviously are huge helps. They send me notes almost every day, if not every other day of like, hey, this is a cool thing that Missouri State women did, or this is a cool thing that's happening with Drake. And um, we've been doing these notes graphics that I think are really helping that are more generic and they're a lot easier to produce because you're literally copying and pasting from their daily notebooks. Um, but it is really good content to help get out like the message of how well they're doing. Because I can tell you Missouri State women are doing well, but Ryan could give me 17,000 notes that I can put on social media that are like, okay, they're not just doing well. They're up there with Stanford and Oregon and UConn and things like that. So I think um, having people on our staff who can help me do that because I, I can help with SID stuff. I can look stuff up, but there are so many um, nuances and so many different things to do to help promote them and help know like the inside out stats like that. Um, that having a good staff around me really helps get that message across. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I, I think you guys do a really good job with that, but also really good job with the more lighthearted uh, kind of fun things like the bracket over uh, mm -hmm. during March with the uh, different different moments in Valley history mm -hmm. and mascot madness, which uh, self plug that Evansville did great in this last year. <laughs> Evansville um, did do great last year. But yeah, just talk about those kind of things that aren't like super event based, but still being able to tell uh, who the Valley is um, on your social platforms. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I um, love those things as well. The one thing when I, whenever people ask me like, what's my goal with the Valley social media is um, to promote the student athletes, but not just what they're doing on the court or the field or even in the classroom. I think those are all great. I think those are all things that are worthy of being promoted, but I love the personality stuff. I think that that's what's going to get people to want to come over here, you know, combined with good play on the field and court. Um, but like last year, I know I helped, or I think Emily, you might've helped me a little bit when I was at Evansville. I did like my little round trip to all the schools and filmed personality stuff, just filmed gifts and filmed some rapid questions and things like that. And that's something that I've been doing in normal years when I'm able to travel to all the schools. Um, and I think those things just turn out so well and they add so much to our social media because if you're having a down year and we've had years in certain sports where we're, none of our teams are doing very well. And it's really hard to try and promote student athletes when they're losing and you know things just aren't going well for a whole sport, not just one team or a few teams. And then you're like, okay, well, how do I promote this sport without really acknowledging what's happening on the field? Because that happened, we can't change that, but we have these cool things and look how cool our players are, look how smart they are, look how funny they are. And I think those kind of things really help fill the gaps when maybe you're not having as great of a year um, to just kind of still give you content that's really engaging. Um, but I love that stuff. I think that's super important. Um, and it's generally pretty easy to come to film or come up with. I mean, those are things that you could film on a phone with a plug-in microphone. You could film on a full video shoot set. You can do it however you need to, but I think there are things that are just so beneficial to add to your social media strategy. And I mean, I took a week and a half in September, I think, or August, two years ago whenever I did it and drove to every single school in the conference and spent a couple hours at each school, threw up a backdrop, pulled out a camera, ran through every single sport at each school, a player from every single sport and was able to get that done in a week and a half and I had content that I used the entire year. Um, and you just have to put time in at the front end to get that stuff done. But I think that that kind of stuff is super important to me. But like kind of the more traditional side of uh, working at the conference level is running championships. Um, mm -hmm. Those events that are always super exciting and history is kind of made. Um, it's your day in and day out job to make sure those run smooth. Just talk a little bit about that and being the SID for swim and just how um, the little bit more of the traditional conference side kind of works. Yeah, I, I love our championships. I think they're, they're all so well run. Um, but I love going, they're just so much fun to be around the student athletes. That's the one part of being at a conference that I don't like it over a school is that I don't see student athletes very often other than at championships. Um, so I love going to them. And I, in the last couple of years, I tried to go to almost every single one that I could. And they're great. I think it's, I luck out that my big roles that aren't just social media coverage are only at a couple, or yeah, only at a couple of championships, like, like you said, swim, 
and then the two basketballs everyone helps out at the rest of them I usually just tag along and I'm able to do on-site social media so I don't have a huge role there other than helping Kristen hang banners or um, just letting her tell me what to do because she is the leader and the best at those things um, but I think it, like basketball championship there's so many different roles that you don't realize go into it um, like whether you're helping escort student athletes to a press conference or helping set up a live stream um, or helping talk to different media people or getting making sure all your LED signage is right and making sure all that kind of stuff's good. And, um, I've learned so much from our staff here. Uh, I'll give Jack another shout out because he is one of the ones I work with the most at Arch Madness and he's just the king of Arch Madness. Um, and it's it's really interesting to kind of see the, the behind the scenes of all those things and how they all work. And um, our host schools though, outside of basketball when we're on a campus, they do so much to help the championships run smoothly. Um, that obviously we could never do anything without them. And so it's fun. I, like I said, I don't do a lot at most of the championships other than like my own social media job and just being there so I can get on, on site videos or on site photos. Um, but it's, it, we work a lot with our schools and they do so much for us to help make those things look much better. Yeah, I have, I have to agree with what you're saying earlier that like the hard part about being on the conference level is not being able to be around student athletes all the time. When I was at the conference, like, spending days and days just working to one event like I, it, not not my yeah. um, not my thing but um, kind of wrapping up this part of the section um, we were talking about you eventually wanting to potentially go back to d3 um, but like what is your basically your dream job or like your future aspirations like where do you want to be at, at the end of your career I going back to d3 I think the only way I could go back to D3 at this point, unless there's like a big just foundational change and um, how their offices all work at most of the conferences would be in a commissioner role, which is my end goal would be to be a D3 commissioner. Um, like I said, there's usually only two positions and usually that second position is kind of, I don't wanna say entry level because it's not usually entry level, but it is usually kind of a lower paid and early level whatever the step after entry is, <laughs> mid-level, but not quite even mid-level. Um, I would love to go back to being at a conference and being a commissioner. I think that'd be, um, I love social and I, I love doing that right now, but I don't see it as a long-term thing. I think being up till midnight watching basketball games or watching Sports Center to see if a play got on there will only be fun for so long. Um, and so I think my end goal in my career would be to go back to D3 and be able to be a commissioner, maybe even D2. Um, I think it's kind of a similar setup as D3 is. I am more familiar with D3, but going to back to a smaller division and becoming a commissioner would be, I think, my my dream job. Yeah. Um, well, using a, um, I think a Jack Watkins uh, word that he likes to say, uh, pivoting back to digital and social. Um, <laughs> um, pivot. Pivots. Uh, we heard that a lot in 2020. Um, but. Uh, talk about your mentality and just your your thought process when it comes to just digital and social in general but also what you bring to the the conference um how like what process do you go through to build strategy for um your different platforms I think how I come up with things it's um I know one of the questions I think you guys have told me might be uh, talked about is kind of like what I look at other people and how if there's any ideas I've stolen from somebody and maybe I'm jumping the podcast schedule, but um, I can't even say there's like one specific thing I've stolen, but I do think, I mean, I just look at so many things. I follow so many people who are in the industry and who are sharing their own work on social and you see so many different ideas um, and you just learn so many different strategies that other people are using, whether it's just like a poll they're doing weekly or it's a certain graphic series or photo series. Um, and I look at a lot of other people's social media. I consume a lot of social media to kind of figure out what works for other people, especially there's not a lot of like conference comparisons. Like with teams, there's endless numbers of teams, depending if you switch sports or if you switch um, genders or you switch countries, you can look at other countries, but for conferences, you're kind of limited to obviously conferences and the NCAA. You can do like the NBA, the NFL, look at their accounts to kind of see what they're doing. Cause you have to think, okay, well, all these contents, these content ideas are good, but like, how do I make that for 10 teams? Um, you know. You can't just make one graphic. You have to make be able to make that graphic in 10 sets of colors or 10 styles. And so um, I think that's one of the things I look at a lot of like leagues and I try to go above us. 
I try to see like, okay, what can I aspire to or try to figure out how to do in the, like the DIY way or a budget friendly way of what they're doing. Um, and that's a lot of, like I was doing that when I was at D3 to the gifts we did. When I was at D3, we did those. And I was like, I see all these teams making these gifts. Like, how do I do that? You know, is it just getting kids in a student athletes in a room and filming them? Cause I can do that. Is it, do I need some certain platform or website or something? And um, once I figured that out, then you kind of figure out how to, how to work your way there with what you have, our camera equipment, our backdrops or our green screen, whatever it may be. Um, and so my strategy is a lot of like, look at what the people I, I admire are doing, look at what people I think are above us are doing um, and who have more resources and then kind of figure out, does that fit into our, our goal? Which is like I said earlier, promoting our student athletes um, on the field and off the field. Or is it just kind of random? Like, does it not vibe with our, our style at all or anything like that? So I kind of just look at what other people are doing and get inspiration. And then, like I said, I consume a lot of social media, whether it's Twitter or Instagram or TikTok or things like that. I'm watching all of them, seeing what the kids are into these days. Um, <laughs> I feel like I've reached the age where I can say that now and that is scary. But um, yeah, I just consume a lot of social media and it helps me kind of strategize. But um, my interns have been helping me out too. I've kind of gone to them. I'm, I won't say we're the best on Instagram by any means. I think that's one area where we're, where we're slacking. Um, and I think you tweeted that during a YP sports chat the other night, Emily, that Instagram might be where you guys are, are not doing as much too, but that's because it's not a platform where your message gets out as much and same with us. Um, and so if I'm a one person shopper, you know, even if I have a couple of people helping me, that's one platform I would back off of because I know Twitter is our bread and butter. Twitter is where most of our followers are at, where our most active and engaged followers are at. And the ones who are gonna reply or retweet or whatever it may be, Instagram, we'll get some likes, but we don't have super engaged followers on Instagram um, who are gonna comment on things and engage with things. So um, I think that's kind of how I, like once I'm just thinking about our social strategy between platforms, I kind of look at like, where do we get the most? We have a lot of, likes or followers on Facebook, we don't get much engagement with anything um, other than Mascot Madness, which we, <laughs> you briefly mentioned earlier. Mascot Madness goes crazy, but we can post anything else on Facebook and nothing happens to it. Um, so it's, that's kind of how I look at it is what fits with our, our brand or our style or my goals and then figure out which platform that works on and if it's a platform I can afford to take time to do and deal with. Um, and things like that. Yeah, I have to agree with what you're talking about with Instagram. I want to be better on Instagram so bad because I know that's where student athletes are. I just, it's, I think for us, it's partially just like resources, uh, being a one person kind of shop for social media as well. It's kind of, it's hard to remember sometimes to be like, oh yeah, we need to post more than just yeah. the game day graphic on Instagram. Um, because yeah, it, and having, 10 accounts on Instagram and yeah. not being able to sign into all of them at the same time is very annoying. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Um, I'm sure. But yeah, uh, my, my next kind of question in this area is we, we have a lot of listeners that are kind of coming up in this industry or trying to figure out how to break into the industry during um, a COVID kind of world. What skills or advice would you give people trying to um, either break into the conference level or work in social media and digital? Um, I would say that Twitter is you're going to be your best friend, personal Twitter. Um, I have made so many connections with people that I will maybe never in my life meet in person um, just because some of them are even in the sports industry, but they're in the social media world. And I've made so many connections and so many things that have led to job offers or have led to job prospects or have led to things like that. Um, and then also just people who I can bounce ideas off of, um, who I can go to and say like, hey, this is something I'm thinking, like you do social, like what do you think? And things like that. And I think be on Twitter if you can and engage with things like the YP sports chat is a really good one if you're into sports or I think there's some social media ones. Um, I haven't done one of those in a while, but um, just in talking to people, follow people who you admire, find out who runs, if you like a team account, find out who runs their social media. It's usually not that hard. They usually have it in their Twitter bio. Um, find who runs the team account and follow them and interact with them, not in a weird way. Don't start DMing people right off the bat that like just 
asking for them to help you or asking for them for a job or something like that. People do that and that's not the way to go, but start engaging with them on social media. Maybe share that you're interested and you'd love to hear how they got where they are or things like that. Um, I know a lot of people, I've had like six Zoom calls over the last two months with people who are like, I wanna get in the sports industry. Like, can you just talk, you do a little informational interview? Um, and I'm happy to do that. And I know most people in the industry are happy to do that. Most people wanna share, um, especially in like the sports info side, it's definitely an industry that's aging and we're losing a lot of our younger people. And I think that's more the reason why I'm happy to talk to young people about getting into it is because I, I don't want us to like lose what we're doing just because people aren't being satisfied at their jobs. Um, but anyway, so I think being on Twitter and being able to do that. And I think if you're in more of like a creative side, like photography or graphics or video, I know plenty of graphic designers who've gotten their jobs off of what they do on Twitter. They haven't even had to move. They've been hired while they're still in college. They've been hired when they're graduating high school because their work is so good. Your work will speak for itself um, when it comes to kind of these creative digital fields. Uh, so share your work. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't feel like you need to, you don't want to brag about yourself. I am all for self-promotion. Um, don't be rude about it, <laughs> but, um, I mean, it's, that's, if you want to get a job, that's what you have to do. People aren't going to know that you're good at your job unless you might tell them. Um, so I think, like I said, I know plenty of people who've gotten their jobs straight from Twitter and sl someone slid into their DMs and said, Hey, we have a job open at this NBA team or this, we need a freelancer for this NFL team. And they got hired because of Twitter. So if you're, looking, if you're a young creative or a young person in the social digital space, get on Twitter, talk to people, meet people, interact with people, be friends with them. You don't have to just talk to them on a professional basis. I've made a lot of friends on that that way. Yeah, absolutely. Like having having Twitter, especially right now when we can't go to Cosida, yes. things like that and network with people in person, networking online is yeah. really everything. Um, but you, you kind of brought up the um, topic of like, the SID world of a lot of our the people in that field right now are kind of getting older and kind of moving out and I, I know that's a passion of yours and like how why you're kind of involved with COSIDA so talk a little bit about like the role COSIDA plays in bringing along new um, people into this field and just COSIDA in general and how awesome that, uh, that all is. Yeah I love COSIDA um, I could talk forever about this and I know you guys don't want me to so I'll be short and sweet but I love Cosida. I think, I mean, they've done so much for me in my career, whether it's just like helping me learn to be a better public speaker by speaking in panels at convention or helping me be a better leader by, um, I got a committee chair role my second year and their first year in the business. And so then I had to like lead a whole committee of people who most of them were 10 years, 10 plus years older than me. Um, and so I think it's just done so much for me in professional development, whether, like I said, it's conventions and not just me speaking at them, and becoming a better public speaker, but also me um, meeting people. Networking is one of the huge things at COSIDA convention that you kind of don't, don't talk about nearly as much because you're talking about, oh, I went to all these sessions and I learned so much. But really it's once again, the networking you do and those people, those are the ones who you can call up and talk to about a problem you're having. They're not, it's not, oh, well, did you go to a session on that? No. So I think COSIDA does so much just to help you meet people and, and those people I've, probably lifelong friendships that from people I've met at COSIDA convention and things through that. But I also think they do so much in terms of advocating. Um, and I think that's been one of their big focuses lately, the last few years is advocating. Um, they We just finished SID week two days ago, yesterday. Um, and I think they, they're trying to do so much, as much as they can do from where they're, what level they're at and what kind of their situation is to talk to ADs and talk to coaches and advocate for SIDs because one of the big things I think driving young people out of this is seeing the pay or seeing the hours compared to the pay or things like that. I mean, I have friends who do similar, if not less work than I do in social media who are making 20, 30, 40 grand more than I am a year um, because they're at a corporate job or they're at an agency or things like that. And I think that's one of the things that people who are young or in their early twenties are looking at their friends who are making 60, 70 grand and they're making 28 and trying to live and I think it's just driving people out, but it's sometimes it's because the SID positions aren't quite as valued. And I think COSIDA is doing a really good job right now of trying to show like, they're not just keeping stats. They're not just writing releases. Like 
they put out a graphic um, over the summer and the fall that was kind of all the different jobs that SAD does. And it's everything from fundraising to recruiting to graphics to video to stats to game management to everything like that. And um, I think that Kosaito has done a good job for that. And I hope that it continues and I hope people start realizing how much they're doing. And I think a lot of people just see, well, the job, my job's not getting better for me. So Kosaito is obviously not doing anything. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. I know everyone on the Kosaito staff and they're all wonderful. Um, and they're trying really hard to help make the industry better and help keep it alive because you don't want all the people who've been here for 40 or 50 years retiring, which they full and well deserve. And then there's no one, to, no one that they've helped train to fill their spots. And some of these schools that are more or less getting rid of their sports info departments and replacing it with just a bunch of university communications people who don't know how to properly keep stats or don't know how to do game notes. And that's kind of been a big gripe of a lot of SIDs, but if you can't get people in there, um, you know, how do you, you have to balance that. So I think um, I, I love Coseta for their advocacy. And I think it's also a good place. Like I said, my first job out of college, I got just by throwing my resume on a Coseta job board. So they also provide a lot of resources for finding jobs. They have a job seekers committee where you can get um, resume help. I think you can do interviews, like um, run through interviews, uh, mock interviews, that's the word I'm looking for, mock interviews. Um, one of our friends, Shelby at Illinois State is I think the vice chair of that committee for job seekers. And she does a lot with that. And she'll tell me all the time about like doing a mock interview with somebody. And so they just provide a lot of resources to help you do, do better. And I think that, and get better in your career. And I think that's huge. Yeah, absolutely. Like, Coastside is doing such crazy, amazing things. I don't think even people involved really know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. um, the national staff is incredible, and I always enjoy like seeing all the things that they they tweet about and are sharing. Um, but kind of my last question in this section: If you had to give a elevator pitch on why social media, what would you say? Like why social media is a job? Why social media is a job? Why is it important? Okay. Whatever you want to go with that. I think that social media is super important to an athletics department or in a conference office because it is the, the face of your department or the face of your office. I think that if I am looking anybody up on, on the internet or trying to look up any prospective job, one of the first things I do is go to their social media and see what they've talked about lately, what they're activity level is and I think that is why um, social media is so important just because it's it's very literally especially if your target audience is younger if you're in an athletics department your social media target audience is more than likely high school students trying to recruit them or your college students or whatever it may be and social media is where they're going to go first to find out what you're about awesome uh, and see got to the ground floor and we're good um, but okay well I'll throw it back to Scott for our next section yeah, so switching gears a little bit, I think just about everyone who's listening to this probably has had some kind of work from home over the last almost year or so, and I think there can be a lot of positives to that, um, but also a lot of struggles that may come with that, and that's something you kind of talked about on your own social media challenges. So just talk, or channel, excuse me, uh, just talk about your experience working from home for the last however many months it's been, um, and I guess maybe the, the good and ugly side of that. I'm looking at my calendar or my, my calendar right now. It's almost been 11 months of working from home. That's from when we left the women's basketball tournament in March. Uh, so yeah, I've been working from home since March 16th. I think the 13th was the Friday. We came and unloaded our trucks after, the, after canceling our tournament. So I've been working from home since March 16th. Um, I've gone into the office a couple of times to grab stuff, but there, there is positives and negatives. Like the, the idea that I can just wake up on my own time and not on my own time, but not have to get up early enough to be able to drive to an office um, or get dressed and ready. I think that's huge is just being able to kind of get up and get over my computer in a leisurely manner, have some coffee, watch the Today Show um, is huge. I think especially with my job where I'm up late at night or up working all weekend and things like that, being able to have a little more flexibility with my mornings and even throughout the day is, is nice because I can take a long lunch and go to the gym or um, start working late because I went to the gym in the morning because I was up till midnight the night before working. Um, and I think that's huge. And our staff really understands that 
we all have different levels of work right now, especially beginning in the next couple of weeks when we're going to have almost every single sport in action um, that we are working more than the normal hours. So we don't need to be in, our off in an office from eight to five every day. So I think that part of it's very positive is just kind of the flexibility it provides you. On the flip side, there are quite a few negatives. <laughs> One I would say is that I do think when people are all working from home, it has removed a lot of the time boundaries that we have when you leave the office at five and you're like, okay, like if I need something, if I desperately need something, I'll email you after five. But like we left the office, you're gone. I'm not gonna bug you today. And that doesn't happen anywhere because no one's leaving the office because the office is your couch or in the office is your dining table. And so I think that that's one of the big downfalls is it, and that happens to me too. I'm, it's not just other people emailing me, it's me too. Where I'm like, I email someone and ask for something and I'm like, oh my God, it's just seven o'clock at night. Like, why did I just do that? And I think that's a really hard thing is you really lose your time boundaries um, and you start working more than you maybe thought you would or thought you should. Um, and I think also for me in St. Louis, I only have a few friends here. I moved here without ever coming here um, before other than for an interview and have just been so busy with work and also just trying to make friends when you're 25, 26, now 27. It's kind of a weird position to be in, um, in a city you don't know with a staff where almost every single one on our staff um, is married with kids. And so it's not like they're the kind who wanna to go to happy hour after work or anything like that. So um, it's been a weird position. It's been having that, having in a pandemic where you're also trying to be safe. Um, I don't leave a lot. Like I have a couple places I go to, I go to the gym my gym's super safe and St. Louis is really strict on their gym policies right now and I pick up groceries in my car I don't get out of my car I just order them online pick them up I go to Home Depot's Home Depot and Lowe's a lot because I bought my condo and I'm doing work on it but other than that I don't really go anywhere and so that part's been super weird just being like alone all the time um, I live alone and my parents have come out here a couple times but like I spent my first Christmas in 27 years by myself this year because my parents are over 60. My dad has had a heart attack in the past. Like I just can't risk going back to Colorado and seeing them. And so I think that's been the hard part is, is more than more than not, I'm alone and I'm just kind of hanging out. And um, I am pretty introverted sometimes. So it, it's not the worst thing. I, I didn't actually mind being in quarantine for like the first three months. Um, but then I got nice outside and I was like, I wanna go. And so that's been the hard part is just like being alone all the time. And um, luckily I have a friend who's gonna move in with me temporarily. So that'll help that a lot. Um, but it's, it's been a weird, weird time when you're just by yourself all the time. So then you all start working all the time um, to fill because you're bored. You're like, I can only watch so many Netflix shows. I'm not gonna watch Tiger King again. So yeah. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate you sharing that. We won't dwell on this topic a whole lot, but uh, one last question on that. What would you say to someone else who uh, is undoubtedly in the same boat as you listening to this? Um, what message would you have for that person? Um, well, buy a desk. I just finally bought a desk today. I ordered one on uh, Amazon or Lowe's. Don't work 11 months from your couch. Your back is going to hurt all the time. You're going to be miserable. And you also will have no way to separate your work from your home life because your couch is where you watch TV and you relax, but it's also where you work all day. Um, so that's a having spaces even, like I'm gonna put my desk in one room and that'll be my work area. And when I'm sitting there, I will work. But if I go to my couch, I'm not going to work. I will be watching TV. I will be sitting there listening to music or reading. Um, so I think just setting up boundaries if you're inside your home. And also if you're able to, I know right now it's winter and here it's been snowing, but um, go on walks if you can and get out. And like I said, I, our staff is super good about knowing that we're working constantly so we can have more flexibility with our schedule. If you're not required to be showing you're active from nine to five or eight to five, go take a walk in the middle of the day. Um, go just get out of your place and, and separate from work for a little bit. Don't check your email for a little bit or things like that. Um, I think just being able to have boundaries is my best advice. Yeah, I actually would have said the same thing. Um, we've been back, or I've been back in the office really in person full time since about August. But the first few months, uh, I created kind of a space in our basement. So anytime I was down here, that was the workspace. When I went upstairs, you know, you mm -hmm. kind of put it behind. And that would be my top advice too for anyone listening. Mm -hmm. Okay, switching gears again. 
we talked a little bit about um, your ripoff and duplicate already. Um, so I guess since we talked about it a little bit, you know, you talked about how active you are on social and you're consuming lots of different things. What are your maybe top one or two follows on social media, um, maybe more so in terms of inspiration um, at work? What are some of the people you think are doing it the best? Well, just one that's not really someone who's doing it well, but um, Skull Sparks is just a great follow for if you need graphic inspo or anything like that. I go to their Pinterest page a lot. Um, they do, they still are super active on their Pinterest page. I don't know if they're tweeting out as many graphics as they used to in the past. I think he's, he's started focusing a lot on social media and, and statistics and analytics, um, but their Pinterest page is still very active. He still adds to it all the time. So that's a huge one just for inspiration on graphics. Um, I also... I follow a lot of videographers, which is kind of weird because we do videos, but nothing that's like super intense. But I do find that by watching some of those videos, you get inspiration, whether it's emotional. Um, I watched my friend Patrick, who is a, um, was at Indiana State, but is a South Carolina grad, sent me the, the USC schedule release that, I don't know if you guys saw that, it made me cry. Um, they did, they had, they're using their football field for, a COVID vaccine station. So to announce each game, they had someone who's working at that vaccine center announce the game. So it was nurses, it was doctors, it was security, things like that. So um, it's really emotional, but um, I follow a lot of videographers because things like that will give you inspiration for something else. Like how can we incorporate frontline workers into what we're doing? Or um, I follow a couple of the videographers from TCU and they give me inspiration with just like the look of things they do, whether it's like an effect that you can translate to a graphic or things like that, or music, um, the musicality of their videos and how they, they do really good songs. And um, I follow Texas, I'm a big Texas fan anyways, so I follow all their stuff, but um, they have an incredible creative team over there and they have a lot of good things for inspiration on how they do things in their social. I know last year or two years ago they did a like a bitmoji volleyball game and so all their lineup graphics had their player bitmojis and all their graphics in game had bitmojis and things like that that you just like don't really think of and they come up with and you're like oh that's cool um so i felt i feel like i get more inspiration from like random people i follow who also share this stuff i don't follow a lot of teams that i don't personally support um but i usually see their stuff just through people i follow um and I like a lot of like the, the personable accounts, the ones who are gonna respond. And I think I try to model that. I think that maybe is one of the things um, for the, the rip off and duplicate section that I, I do rip off is just like the personality. And I'm not trying to fake it and copy what people's responses are, but I think that's huge is why we have some fans who are super engaged with us is because we do respond to them. We do like their stuff. And um, I think that's one thing that I, I've definitely stolen from some of the big accounts when I see how well it is going when, you know, how, how well people react when they get their comment responded to or their response responded to. Um, and I definitely steal that. And I also thought R&D meant research and development. So I was a little confused when you told me what that meant, but now it makes sense. Um, but yeah, I think I, I follow a lot of people who work for teams and who've gone all over. And if you follow enough people in social media, they share other people's social media posts enough, but then you learn. So there's so many good ones out there. Yeah. And Definitely high um, recommendation to just follow as many people as you can on social media just to get a bunch of ideas. But mm -hmm. um, a lot of really, really good stuff we've talked about, but we always want to end by just kind of opening up the floor to anything you want to talk about, whether relevant to what we've already talked about or not. So just uh, floors open. Well, I don't have a lot, but I mentioned it earlier and it's very timely. And that is to thank your SID. Um, I got my little soapbox again about COSIDA and, and your SIDs. And um, I am by no means really an SID anymore. I do a couple sports and there are sports that don't require a ton of attention, don't have TV games or anything like that. Um, but I think I just wanna say that it's a great profession to get into. It's a very, you learn so many skills, even if you don't stay in it long-term, the skills you develop when you're an SID will translate to any career, whether it's uh, conflict management, conflict resolution, crisis communications, um, game management, event management, videography, live streaming, things like that you learn. And I think it's such a good profession. And I think those people go so unthanked most of the time. And um, I'm in a couple of Facebook groups with a lot of people who are in COSIDA. 
and um, a lot of SIDs, and they often talk about how no one said thank you to them this this week for thank you SID week, and no one reached out to them, and I think that's so sad to me. Um, I don't want to toot our own horn, but I feel like our staff did so much to try and make sure that we publicly, not just emailed, I think the last few years we've sent a note to each department and signed all of our names on it and said, you know, thank you for what you're doing. But this year I was like, you know what? It's been a hard year. It's about to be an even harder year. And we want to make sure that like, we're not just saying that we're also getting other people to say that to them because some of these people just have no idea what's going on. And that's totally fair. Um, but we want to make sure that we're promoting our SIDs and, and people like that because they work so hard. And yeah, that's my soapbox again. Well, I think you guys do deserve a lot of credit for that because I thought it was really cool. Someone who's not an SID, but know how hard that they work to see, you know, their actual faces on graphics from the conference office for people who are always behind the scenes and really get no recognition at all, even though they work so hard. So, so definitely kudos to you guys. Yeah, I agree. I think the faces is the big thing. Um, no one knows, unless you work with that team or something, no one knows who their SID is. Um, and so to be able to put their faces on something and their names, and specifically what sports they work with, I think was was a big way to kind of shout them out. And we got a lot of ADs replying, which I, in SWAs, which I just thought, you know, hopefully they're saying it to them in person too. Um, but I did think it was quite cool that then you have ADs um, who are quote tweeting it saying, thank our SIDs because they're so great. So um, hopefully it helps people out and brightens some people's day because we didn't really tell anyone we were doing it. All right, Katie. Well, if that's all from you, we definitely appreciate you joining us. Um, I do want to remind everyone to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at P5Mentality. Subscribe to and rate us on your favorite podcast streaming site. Check out our blog on the Power 5 Mentality website. And remember, Power 5 is just a mentality.